of all saints is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 7. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. John sees a vision in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, of the church triumphant. Have you heard that phrase before? The church triumphant. What does that mean? It's a way of speaking about part of the one church of Jesus. Last week, we celebrated the church militant, that is, the church here on earth. That's the part of the church that is still fighting the good fight. And a mighty fortress is our God, and be strong in the Lord, and O little flock, fear not the foe, rise my soul to watch and pray, hymns in the 657 through 660 somewhere. If you look in your hymnal, it says the church militant. And then you turn a page and you get to the church triumphant, and that's where you see behold a host arrayed in white, and for all the saints, and we sing for all the unsung saints. Last week, we celebrated the church militant. This week, we celebrate the church triumphant, those who finished their fight and now rest from their labors. And in John's vision, the church triumphant is depicted as celebrating victory, waving palm branches. This might sound familiar if you've been to church on Palm Sunday before. Palm branches are only mentioned twice in the New Testament, both by this same author, St. John. In Revelation 7, he says he sees a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and the Lamb clothed in white robes. It's part of the reason why, you know, white robes are a thing in church. With palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And back 
The only place, I mean, in the, in the Gospels that this is mentioned, we might think sometimes that, oh, Palm Sunday, that's, that's in all the, the entry with all the palm branches and everything. That's in all of the Gospels, right? How could that not be mentioned in all four of them? But this is mentioned here just by John, the same guy who saw this vision. He makes point, he makes, he makes it a point to mention this. They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Jesus, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. In the ancient Near East, palm branches were a sign of victory, a sign of celebration, of triumph. They were welcoming their victorious king into Jerusalem. And in the church triumphant, they are celebrating the king's victory. And I'm going to double down here. The victory they're celebrating is not their own but Jesus' victory. And we get that, rejoicing in someone else's victory. It feels like ours. You remember when Stefan Diggs caught that pass on the sideline and sh- shrugged off the tackles and ran all the way down for that last-minute touchdown a couple years ago, the Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah, we, we did it. Or if you, know, if you remember Twins World Series wins, they feel like ours. Yes. But, I mean... You didn't pitch any of those innings. You didn't throw that ball, catch that ball, make that play, but you still join in the victory. We get that. That's what's going on here. It's not their victory, the church triumphant. They didn't achieve salvation. They even say that. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They are rejoicing that the blood of the Lamb brought them through the great tribulation. Maybe to be too simplistic about this, they are happy to be there because of what that means that God did for them. Now, this elder asks John in the vision, who are these people? Who are they clothed in white? And John says, sir, you know, which is kind of an awkward phrase as it comes across to us, but it's basically like, uh, you know, if a teacher called on you in class, and you didn't know the answer. They're like, oh, it seems like Fred knows. Fred, why don't you, you know? It's like, oh, let me just direct that right back at you. You're asking me a question that I don't know the answer to, but I get the feeling that you know. Sir, you know, and he says to John, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Coming out of the great tribulation. They're coming through the sufferings that all the church endures on earth. Persecution, danger, Famine, the sword, even death. They are coming through. They're coming out of that tribulation and they've washed their robes in blood. Blood that made their robes white. Have you ever seen such a thing? Have you ever tried to clean blood out of something white? You know that um, the blood doesn't make the garment white. (laughs) You have to work to get that out. How... Can blood wash anything? This is such a bizarre, maybe even a grotesque image. You know, there are hymns. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. It's bizarre. It's maybe a little icky. But we have to let the scriptures interpret themselves. Things that are more clear interpret things that are less clear. So elsewhere, does the same author who wrote this in Revelation have anything else to say about how Jesus' blood 
erases our guilt? And it turns out, yes. In 1 John, starting in chapter 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That whole Old Testament system of sacrifices where you would take an animal that, had, that was perfect, a perfect specimen, and you would slaughter it, and its blood would atone for the sins of the household, the sins of the one bringing it for sacrifice. That whole thing was to just create a picture, a category that is truly fulfilled in Jesus, shedding his blood to atone for the sins of the whole world. It's an image of cleansing, but it's not water that cleanses. It's the power of the blood of the sinless son of God. The blood of this sinless son of God that was shed on your account removes your sin from you and leaves you perfect, without blemish, without stain or spot in the sight of God. It should have been your blood that was poured out on that cross. It should have been your blood that soaked into the open grain of that rough wood. But it wasn't. It was Jesus's. And because of this exchange, he took something of yours and gave you something in return. His perfect righteousness. That's how blood makes our robes white. It's the blood of Jesus shed for us that lets us stand before God as one of the redeemed. So with the church triumphant, we praise God for the blood of the Lamb. And now, when I say with the church triumphant, that's not just a nice phrase. Like, oh, it's, it's a thing that sounds nice on paper, but it doesn't actually connect to any reality behind it. Just as real as you've heard each other's voices this morning, singing, praying, saying, Lord, have mercy, saying, Alleluia, it's real that the saints in glory sing with us. In melodies too sweet for our ears, in voices too perfectly tuned for us to perceive. And here's why. All Christians are joined together in this mystical body of Jesus Christ. And the body of Christ is never separated, not even by death. And our hymnody this morning is full of this concept. We just sang it in stanza four for all the saints. O blessed communion, fellowship divine. We feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Alleluia. Alleluia. One of our distribution hymns this morning, Sing with all the saints in glory. Stanza two. Oh, what glory, far exceeding all that I has yet perceived. Holiest hearts for ages pleading, never that full joy conceived. God has promised, Christ prepares it. There on high our welcome waits. Every humble spirit shares it. Christ has passed 
the eternal gates. From our opening hymn, you watchers and ye holy ones, stanza three, respond ye souls in endless rest. Right, we're assuming that they can hear us. We're inviting them to join in our hymn of praise. Respond ye souls in endless rest. Ye patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, prophets, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, sing with us. Ye holy twelve, ye martyrs strong, all saints triumphant, Adena and Gary, join the song. Raise the song. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. And we also proclaim this every time we have communion. In the preface, which is the bit of dialogue before communion, right? The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him our thanks and praise. And then I turn around and sometimes chant, sometimes say a prayer. But it nearly always ends exactly like this. With all angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. That's all the saints triumphant. We laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying. We say that every time we have communion. We recognize heaven meets earth here in this place where we are gathered around Jesus' body and blood. And then right after that, evermore praising you and saying, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of Sabaoth adored. Sabaoth means the hosts, armies, God of armies adored. Heaven and earth with full acclaim, shout the glory of your name. Earth, yes, and heaven. That's not just a nice word. That's a real thing. Just as real as it is, we can say that churches across the world are singing that song with us this morning. It's true that in the heavenly places where the saints rest with Jesus, they are singing too. They're not totally unaware. It's not like this is all totally hidden from them. We are all held together in the one body of Jesus Christ. Sing Hosanna in the highest. There's those palm fronds again. Sing Hosanna to the Lord. Truly blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And friends, this means that your loved ones who now rest in the arms of Jesus your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, children, nieces and nephews, everyone, they're all still with you. They're not gone. They're with you in Jesus. Their bodies rest, and in Jesus, their souls live. We are all united as the mystical body of Christ, transcending time and space and even death. We are held together by the love of God for us. (laughs) What a beautiful thing that is. And finally, now, the same love of God that holds us together in Christ also sustains us here during our own pilgrimages. This isn't just something we celebrate for those who have finished the race. The same thing is our strength here. What we read about in Revelation 7 is true this very moment for our brothers and sisters who have gone before us and now rest. They sing. They rest in the shelter of the Almighty. God wipes away every tear from their eyes. They're not stricken by hunger or thirst anymore. 
And it's going to be true for us someday too. We know the end of our story. And this promised ending for us liberates us from this frantic urgency that's in the air all across the world to get the most out of this life in terms of wealth or status or possessions or success and all of that. We don't have to keep running in this hamster wheel that gets us nowhere. We can hop off of that and pour out our lives in love to others because we know that everything we need is going to be provided for us daily and our reward is very, very, very great. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of their throne will be their shepherd. The lamb will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No matter how many twists and turns your story takes, your life is held together in Jesus. It's embraced within the grand story of God's love for you. We might only be able to see one thread at a time in this grand tapestry, but we trust the person whose hand is on the show. Your life is of staggeringly cosmic importance because the king of the universe died for you. You're not insignificant. You're not forgotten about. God is very attentively, carefully with you, always to bring grace and mercy and comfort and power and strength. Your past, present, and future are tied into the story of everything sad coming untrue. All being unraveled in Jesus Christ. The example of the saints gives us strength and courage, not because of them, right? We don't, we don't wear little tokens of the saints. We don't pray to the saints. We don't believe that that's right. It's not because of them, but because of Jesus in them and through them. The grace that was given to them is also given to us, that we may run our races, cross the finish line, and rest until the great Easter to come, when all of the dead come forth from the tomb. Our celebration of the triumphant church this morning consists of joining their hymn of praise to God for this grace given both to them and to us, grace that allows us to persevere in this life without giving up on the one who has never given up on us. But whether we choose to praise God for the grace given to the saints who now rest, or we praise God for giving the same to us, remember, or I should say don't forget, it's not really all about them or all about us. A lot of times in our lives, we kind of automatically live like we're the main character. I'm the protagonist of this world. This story is about me. And this story is all about Jesus. Romans 8, sorry, Romans eleven thirty six says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The festival of all saints is not an opportunity to focus on the saints. It's an, it's an opportunity to recognize the depth and breadth 
of Jesus' magnificent love for his church. The depth and breadth of his power and his grace. And this is an outlet of praise because we join in their unending hymn. And it's a source of comfort because we know that that grace is ours too. We too will one day rest peacefully in the loving arms of our Lord. Until that great day when all the church of God crosses over into the new heaven and the new earth like the nation of Israel crossing into the promised land. Until then, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.